0: fate. My name is Manpreet Singh. Thanks for tuning in to The Modern Sick. Now, this is a new platform we uh, launched today to talk about present-day sick issues. And one of the biggest sick issues facing the world right now is the farmers' protest. And with me, I have Jaspreet Singh. Jaspreet Singh, what's going on, man? What's going on, fate.
1: Nothing. Um, This is a very distressing time for the Sikh community, and it's great that we're starting to create a platform to make Sikhs aware about modern-day contemporary issues and relating them back to our Sikh spirit.
0: So Jaspreet, man, I'm happy you're with me. Uh, Just tell the people a little bit about your background, and then let's get into the farmers' protest.
1: So um, I recently graduated, um, and my degree is in politics, philosophy, and economics. Um, and I've spent pretty much a, a large majority of my life, even though I'm only 24, um, learning about Sikhi, um, learning Kirtan, learning Gurmakhi and Gurmat, And um, I am inspiring to become a lawyer.
0: So I know you researched about the farmers protest a lot. Let's start with, I know everyone probably Googled it and they know about MSPs, they know about all these little things and why farmers are out there, but just give me like a quick hit on why are people on the streets? Like what, I mean, you wrote about this a little, so what's happening? Like, why are they really protesting? What changed in what they were doing business before and what changed after these laws?
1: First thing that we need to recognize and acknowledge is that um, agriculture by constitutional right is a state issue, not a federal issue in terms of the Indian Constitution. So when agriculture gets involved, um, the Mundi system has been uh, given authority to run s- state by state. Um, what the government has decided to do is not only uh, make it a federal issue, but also at the same time to abolish the entire Mundi system and privatize it. And obviously, that uh, abolishment isn't written into the laws but it opens them up to the private sector. And if the private sector takes over, what the farmers even realize, and most of us realize is that when competition gets involved, you raise the prices for a few years, people are obviously gonna be selling at a higher price rather than selling at a lower price. And the second that that, um, that competitive advantage wins out for a few years, and the public mondays close down, then with them goes away msp and the money system entirely
0: i've heard some people talk about yeah but you know india's been doing things for like this for the last 100 years let's say or whatever it is it's a long time there needs to be some change so the proponents of this are like there needs to be change maybe this is not good but it's a step in the right direction india's chief economist saying it's a step in the right direction and you know but we all know how how <laughs> how those uh, economists are picked. Uh, Why isn't this a step in the right direction in your view?
1: Well, if it was a step in the right direction, then the stakeholders would have been involved, except what we have learned is that neither farmers nor Kassan unions or farmer unions have been uh, brought into the meetings about these policies. The only people that were in the room were those that uh, are beneficiaries, which are corporate uh owners and cor- corporate stake owners and the government picked a c- economists like you said and that in itself should be a red flag when you don't bring everybody into the room that is potentially affected and then when they say why weren't we consulted and you bombard them with uh propaganda and tear gas and calling them misinformed then that's a very bad way and a very big red flag for all of us to say You know, maybe there's something that's going on here that they don't want us to see or maybe they don't want us to understand.
0: Let's talk about the sick inspiration of this movement because I am amazed. I never thought I was going to see this my entire life. Like all these sicks coming out, all these people just coming out, supporting, being in Chardikala, staying in the cold. I never thought I was going to see this. I never thought I was going to see singers come out. And basically the biggest, Punjabi singer right now. I mean, this is not even opinion. This is just data, facts, money, influence, everything. Diljeet doing, you know, on the side of the farmers saying, giving money, giving his support. He might lose his business. He might lose other gigs that he wanted to do, but it didn't matter because when it came down to this movement, a lot of people came together. Even Punjab and Ariana came together. So a lot of people came together and I'm just like amazed. How do you feel when you saw all that stuff?
1: It's no surprise when an entire community who's based around agriculture, even Daljeet said that his family uh, are farmers. Um, And most of us living in the diaspora now, we have roots in farming. And so when the issue becomes personal for all of us, when the issue becomes generational for all of us, and when we can tie back to the plight of a farmer in Punjab, then at that moment, all other um, issues that we might have inside of the community kind of fade away because at this moment, we're fighting for our livelihoods.
0: No, for real. I mean, I, I'm i still amazed on, on what's happening, um, but let's talk about the farmers of the past. And I wanna talk about a revolutionary thing that Banda Singh Bahadur did that doesn't get talked about as much. Everyone knows how, how great he was. He's one of the greatest Sikh heroes, really. Um, but talk about Banda Singh Bahadur and how he flipped the Zimindari system.
1: Zimindar system at the time was 70-30, right? You know, um, there was uh, two categories. The first was uh, people that were given land uh, for their uh, honors in whether it's battles, whether it's lineage, descendants of um, prestigious families. And then the second one was people that were put in charge so that they could help the ruler and to be middlemen of collecting taxes and getting it back to um, the king of the time or emperor at the time. And so the thing that Vandat Singh Bahadur did that was very revolutionary was that those that work the land have a right to the products that they produce from that land and as a result, are should be the beneficiaries of whatever they grow, and thus, when he took over uh, control of, of Punjab, whether for whatever length of time, he decided that those that work, those that have sweat on their brow, they should be the ones that are entitled to own the land, and when the issue becomes of you know modern day translating it to today. Um, it becomes of corporate greed that these people are going to continue to work. But at the end of the day, the profiteers are going to be corporations. That's how we tie it back to Banda Singh Badr. It's kind of taking a reverse to his stance that I'm going to have to work the land and someone else is going to uh, profiteer off of my hard-earned labor.
0: Is that why so many Punjabis are into farming? Because that he flipped the system and then we get to own all this land?
1: That's part of it. But the other thing is, it's also by design. The Indian government for a very long time has tried to avoid um, expanding the economy of Punjab and trying to make us very, very dependent on agriculture for a very, very long time. And same thing with Haryana and most of the states that are very, very impoverished. You'll see a long track record of uh, India being very reluctant uh, in investing in their economies. And so for the most part, most people are working as in agriculture, even to today. Uh, the economy of in India, but particularly Punjab and areas similarly situated, is predominantly agriculture. And it's, it's no coincidence. Uh, it's by design.
0: I never thought of it like that, actually, um, that it was by design. Um, the government just wants to keep us farming and farming and into like one job, one, uh, I guess, because, well, um, basically what I'm trying to say is that the farming and the farming, uh, the farmers and their livelihoods every decade, it gets worse and worse for them. So, uh, maybe it is by design that the government wants to keep us in that agricultural field and not other fields and not other job opportunities for the youth, because, you know, once the youth goes, what is left?
1: Exactly. And so in, if you look at what people are studying in Punjab, let's just take that for an example. They're studying computer science. They're studying engineering. They're trying to get out of the country because they're trying to move to the U.S., Australia, Canada, wherever. But why is that? Why, why is it that they can't find those jobs in Punjab, in India? somewhere. It's not the lack of supply. It's not that they learn something different when they leave. It's that there's a lack of investment. There's lack of startup capital. There's a lack of loans. There's a lack of um, jazba, if you want to say it in Punjabi. Um, and on top of that, the, the second thing is, if you look historically in the 1980s, India was having a, a food security issue. Um, there was famine. And what took place, and we probably both know this, and is really well documented, is a Green Revolution. And people herald Punjab at the time as the breadbasket of India, because we quite literally saved the country from um, falling apart and uh, falling in on itself. And so when, and this is a larger conversation, but people keep mentioning fascist regime of India and keep comparing Modi to uh Hindu f- a version of Hindu fascism, then we need to have the conversation about uh, India being treated like family and uh, every state having a function. And the function that's been put in place for Haryana and Punjab and uh, the Dalits and the people of the lower castes is that of farmers.
0: All right, let's get back to the present day movement and what they're calling us and what they've always called us what they've always treated us because I am still amazed. And it's a very, it's a trigger word, you know, Khalistan, Khalistani, they're all related back, terrorism. I remember when this first started and one of the interviews, which I gave props to Deep Sidhu for, with the Barkha was like, oh, Pranavala was a terrorist and Khalistan is like, you know, just like propaganda trigger words that just gets people. Um, So i was very disappointed in that, obviously. Uh, why do you think I mean I know And I think a lot of people know But what's your view on Khalistan, Khalistani And people coming out There's people that are not six Saying if we're in this movement I'm a Khalistani too Then if that's what you're calling these people Which I thought I would never see too In my entire existence You know The other day Jazzy B said He said like, if that's what they're calling me For this Khalistani Then I'm a Khalistani too
1: The thing is that the the label of Khalistan, we have to understand it from the roots of where it got popularity today, right? And that's from a speech of Babarjan Asik and in that speech he says that the day that darbar Saib is attacked, the foundation stone of uh, Khalistan will be placed. He didn't say we're fighting for Khalistan. He said the day that we are provoked and attacked at our sanctum sanctorum is the day that that foundation still be place and it's worth noting that the entire fight before that was about agricultural rights it's about agrarian rights at the time they're fighting for water rights riparian rights um, because the waters of Punjab were being uh, diverted other places uh, by SYL and other canals that were being built and yet Punjab was getting none of the none of the benefits of such movements the electricity of Punjab the hydroelectric energy of Punjab none of those dam dams produce electricity goes to Punjab and we don't get compensated for it either so that's where the word finds its origin right in the modern day sure we can talk about the history prior but that's where it became famous and it's worth noting that everything you said about uh people that are not Sikhs calling themselves Khalistani It's worth noting, a lot of them live in Delhi. And the reason that they started saying it was after they met Sikhs and Punjabis, they said, we were fearful because that's what the government has been telling us for the last 30 years. Why 30 years? Because that's when 1984 took place. That's when Sikhs were fighting for their independence. And what they said is, after we met them, um, and there's many stories, it's not just one, but they say, after we met them, it felt like, we had met angels in human form. We met deities. And that's a very big term coming from people that are uh, that otherwise have never met us, have never uh, uh, agreed with us, have, have never met us. Um, so obviously something is a uh, uh, astro... I can't think of the word now, but something very inspiring, something very miraculous is taking place in terms of how we're treating them. And on top of that, the most uh, inspiring video that I saw was of Delhi police officers with tears in their eyes saying, we're not willing to hit these people anymore. And many of them said, I'm fine losing my job, but I can't do this anymore. So that in itself is very telling and very indicative of uh, what you would want to call in the modern era, especially in the age of spin, who is right and who is wrong.
0: Uh, That is very inspiring. Again, things... Images that I thought I would never see in my lifetime. You know, 2020 was a crazy year. 2021 still continues. But yeah, man. Khalistan, Kalistani. It's just, uh, I asked somebody who's uh, my neighbor the other day. He came over. We were having dinner. And he's like, and I'm like, um, you know, he's from Punjab, more closer to the Haryana side. And I was like, what do your friends, because most of his friends are non-sick. I'm like, what do your friends hear when they hear the word khalistani like what what does what triggers uh what thoughts trigger in them and he said basically uh separate state that's all that's all the khalistani separate state separate state separate like secession you know um and i'm like oh wow and they're still afraid of that they're like it's gonna happen you know these things just don't happen anymore (laughs) you know this is not 1600s um and he's like yeah he's like yeah but that's that's the amount of propaganda and the amount of drilling that the government has done to these people, that they hear it and they just get triggered like people get triggered here using different words in America, at least uh, about it. So it's just uh, it's funny to see you got that side. And then when you actually get to know the six and know what we're here and know what we're doing and why we're here and why we're doing these things, like you said, too, this is the first time I heard it, by the way, that you're saying it that, you know, we're angels on the ground. So it's, that's pretty good to hear.
1: And. On top of that, we have to understand that when we talk about Saraj or Sehraj, it's never been about borders. It's never been defined by borders. Sure, that's the modern modern understanding because that's how we define the world now. Because um, city states with defined borders has is a phenomenon of the last two hundred years. Before that, you didn't know where France ended and Germany started. You didn't know, like it just it was a transitionary, It was a great great area. But now we have drawn borders and now it's become in, in a distinction war and six of all cared more about governance whether we live in the united states whether we live in punjab whether we live in the rest of india what what do we care about that um that our, our fight is for the most poor and uh disparaged of us it's not about um fighting for our own nationalism or a form of nationalism, our fight has always been for those that cannot speak for themselves, the voiceless, the ones without the food, we want to feed them. That's our fight.
0: As soon as I think people are actually realizing that um, people in India are realizing it, people around the world are realizing it. The one name comes up is the Khal Saeed guy, Ravi Singh, and he's all over the place and that guy's angel on earth he's, he's one of them so but <laughs> which was which reminds me of something else when they were like we're having pizza pizza longer is bad and i'm like really you want pizza longer now we're feeding everybody it's not just for the six too you know it's for anyone that's there foot massages are bad washing machines are bad because clean clothes yeah it's it's crazy crazy thoughts we're having um but what other when you uh I know everyone's disappointed in the Indian government, but what narrative are they spinning now that has you like, "Yo, man, what the hell's going on?"
1: The whole nishan Sahib thing, the whole issue with Lal Kila, the entire story around Deep Siddhu, because it came back up today. Um, he was arrested last night, and the thing is that I'm my disappointment's not even just with the Indian government because this is their this is their motto. This is what they've been doing for the last. Thirty-seven years and thirty-seven years before that, anybody that speaks out against them, they're put behind bars. What surprises me and what shocks me is today that many kassan union leaders are saying that they're in support of this arrest and that um, you know let's move forward and let's focus on the topic, when they keep forgetting that the origins of this movement are off the backs of their leadership. That when they got into the Delhi border, when they got to Tikri and they got to Singu. That was off the leadership and the voices of Deep Sidhu and La kasadana the two people that they have um, ostracized in this movement now. So it's it's like Sikhs in themselves and Kasans in themselves have a very short-term understanding of what is exactly taking place here. When you get rid of the movement of progression, when you get rid of the people talking about your roots, bringing in Sikh principles that have led to the lungers, led to the 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 ideas that have made us extraordinary when you get rid of those voices that in itself is very disappointing right because it's easy to point at the evil and say at least we're not them but when you get rid of the voices that are doing some good work raising awareness um, and people start understanding oh Punjab's not urta it's not drug addicted and the youth is starting to raise up and rise up off of whose back off of whose efforts is that happening and somehow we're not willing to acknowledge that for the last at least two weeks, almost.
0: Yeah, it's disappointing what has happened to Deep Sidhu, you know. And my dad in the morning, because I, you know, I'm on Twitter, so I get that news right away. My dad morning, I'm going downstairs for coffee. He's like, "Oh, Deep Sidhu, the rest day. Yeah? I was like, "Hanjii, hanjii, pata pata," you know. So it's just. Uh, it's sad, man. I mean, yeah, this is how you kill movements. You know, this is how you scare people. Um, and that's what's happening to us.
1: Well, look, I won't go that far, right? My, my thing is, I don't want to uh, make someone a complete hero. People live in grace. And people have merits. People have demerits. That's In Sikhi, the only person or the only beings that are infallible are guru and uh, the divine. Everybody else is open to mistakes, right? So people want to label him one way or the other. People want to make this about uh, a polarity of you either think he's good or you're bad. You're with us or against us. And the thing is, that's a very dangerous place to live. That's a very dangerous narrative to set up because that's the Indian government narrative. The Sikh narrative has always been plurality. It's always been about different viewpoints. The, the ability to come together and come up with the greatest idea based off of the diversity of color. We are the people that are of color. So why are we trying to become uniform? And why are we willing to give up our individuality in order to appease a government who doesn't understand uh, what diversity actually means or looks like when it matters?
0: So I'm with you on all that. But I also think movements need leaders. Movements need someone to latch on to. 84, we had a good leader. You know, 84, there was only one Baba. After he left, now you have thousands of Babas in Punjab, right? So I think we I think we need a good leader. Um, I think they're all always good to live up to. Maybe it's strong that the movements will die, uh, that design movements die. But I do think that this is, when people look Like when I look at him, I'm like, oh, he's doing more than I'm doing. And I get it. He's there. I'm here, blah, blah. But still, even if I was there, would I be doing this? I don't know. So it's just that it's, you know, it's a very, uh, you know, empathize, like sympathize with him. And I empathize with everyone. I'm like, oh, man, Um, you know, even if people live in the gray, you're taking the good people. You're taking the you're taking the good people, you know, so. um, But where else do you think now now? Latest is Deep Sidhu arrested. OK, what are your thoughts? What, are you optimistic about the movement? Movement's stronger, movement's OK, movement's derailed, like it's going to take a little bit of time to get on track. What are your thoughts on this? So
1: based off of history, I'm going to go off history, not my own opinion. Based off of history, there have been pivotal points that have defined every movement, including Bandhas Singh Bahad. are many people argue that if he'd stayed in the South, uh, been more patient, the entire uh, map of India would look different, right? That's his his critique. Maharaj Anjit Singh says if he'd let Guru Khalsa Panth choose the next leader, um, and instead of him trying to argue for um, in, uh, choosing his own uh, uh, successor, then we would have survived. And then same thing in uh, 84. If in 92 we hadn't uh, boycotted the election, um, things would look much differently than they do today. And I think right now we're at a very crucial juncture. I'm not gonna say that this is gonna, this right now, what has taken place is the end. I don't believe in reactionary politics. I believe that this is gonna be defining though, whether this becomes a movement about also freeing those people that have been put behind bars for whether it's just in the Kassan Union, uh, this Sangarsha or Morja, or if this becomes about freeing people that have been unjustly put behind bars, period, um, because we've done that before. We've historically done that as well. and Or the other side of it is that we let them rot in jail, um, and they continue, and somehow they repeal the bills, and these people stay in jail. and. The most bleak version of this is this breaks this is the straw that breaks the camel's back and everybody goes home nothing gets done and slowly but surely everything dissipates so it is a critical juncture but it's not in itself defining what's going to define it is how we deal with it how we as six how us as a populace decide This needs to carry Yeah, the balls in our court, like we would say in basketball or even in football, we have to be the ones that decide the juncture. But quite honestly, we need direction right now. And if we follow our history and we follow uh, Pantec values, then we will definitely uh, continue and strive forward because um, all of our movements are literally defined by how much we go through. Every single one is about uh, our willingness and our resiliency um, and our ability to be stick to to our values and to our guns. Um, So we'll see.
0: Yeah, no, that's well said. Uh, I just want to say also that. Thank you, Rihanna. (laughs) Thank you for putting us. I mean, we were hidden on the map and now then you put us on the map. And I guess so many six got to know who Rihanna is, you know. Somebody with uh, more follow, like uh, over a hundred million followers, is uh, is very um, influential in in these types of things. So thank you, uh, Rihanna. Thank you to everybody. A lot of celebrities came out, man. I mean, Kyle Kuzma from I mean, you're from Cali, uh, I mean, they're from the West Coast. Sorry, um, you know, Kyle Kuzma from uh, the Lakers. He was like, oh, why aren't we talking about this? The Pittsburgh Steelers. Juju's like, why aren't we talking about this? Amanda Cerny. So. Thank you to all of them, really. Thank you to all of them. Thank you to everyone that just looked at the movement and and been like, whoa, this is crazy. Why isn't the world talking about this? And decided to use their platform to talk about it. So uh, it's crazy. It's great. It it shook India up. I know Rihanna's tweet shook everybody in India up. All the Bollywood people, uh, everyone with the same copy and paste job, um, you know, boycott Bollywood for sure. I'm definitely boycotting Bollywood. I could care less now about anybody of them. Uh, but yeah, so thanks thanks for that. Well,
1: okay, I think that we need to narrow down our appreciations as well, because I agree with you. All of them have done an amazing job of amplifying our voices, and I am forever grateful for their allyship. But what's worth noting is the people that have continued to do so, which is Mia Khalifa, which is Amanda, uh, who continuously, even today, have been talking about this. It's not just a one tweet and go. Thank you, Rihanna, for bringing up the issue, but thank you for those patriots who are continuing, those sheroes that are continuing to uh, elevate our voices every single day and are willing to uh, literally, quite literally, put their career on the line because we live in a very interconnected economy. And so their very livelihoods are at stake when, when we talk about them voicing their opinions because they didn't need to, but they are, and they continue to, and they keep um, blasting at either, even if it's Ganganath or not, or Bollywood or uh, the propaganda machine of India. And even even in the US, they're talking to their own uh, celebrity friends and saying, hey, learn about this. And on top of that, using their platform to all their fans and being like, you should be learning about this. And it's worth noting that Amanda is a UN ambassador and she's talking about this. And again, that's a very interconnected governmental position to be in and she's still using that platform so hats off to these women because i i believe that it's very easy for us to say that a lot of celebrities are involved but it's very for some reason or even our community we have this huge issue of not recognizing and repre- uh, representing the women that stand up and acknowledging them specifically putting the spotlight on them and being like women are carrying this, women are instrumental in this. Women are and continue to be uh, very, very pivotal in all of this because Rihanna is a female as well. Um, and so it's worth noting all of that.
0: No, it is worth noting. And we're definitely going to talk about maybe we'll have somebody else on too with us that talk about women and Sikhi and the roles because I saw this tweet today and I was like, oh, wow, I'm like, this person would be great to to put on here. But speaking about sheroes, you know, free no deep car, right? Like I see that and I see, um, I think Niru Bajwa tweeted that like with a huge graphic saying free her, free her. So even her, man, I mean, she's uh, she's symbolic right now to the movement too, you know, everyone knows her. And so this is, uh, you're right, you're right, well put, well put. Yeah,
1: no deep car is un- quite unfortunately is not a new case for us, right? Um, Violence against women, particularly women, um, sexual violence has been used by India as a tool of war and a tool of dissent or to react to dissent for decades. And we know this. It's just I'm very glad that her case study is bringing awareness to what so many women go through, especially in India, because um i i was looking at a statistic india is one of the most unsafe countries for women in the world and that in itself should be an eye-opener for us
0: oh it definitely should be and trust me there's a lot a lot to talk about of uh women and minorities in india and how they're treated because i get uh i get a lot of crap for it all the time when i say it but uh we'll, we'll bring it to to the show so um You know, closing remarks, man. Let me hear your closing remarks on the farmers' protest. I know we're going to do a lot more of this and bring farmers' protest. It's going to be on our, it's going to be, you know, taking equity in our minds for the whole year. So, but what are your closing thoughts?
1: My closing thoughts are this movement cannot be defined by one thing. It's not about state rights. It's not about riparian rights at this point. It's not about worker rights. It's not uh, simply about any of these things. It's all of them. At, at the same time, it's an international issue. It's a corporate versus individual issue. It's, it's um, uh, safeguarding uh, s- societies and civilizations. It's taking care of your people. It's a social contract issue, um, speaking from a philosophy angle. And um, this movement has grown so much from just an issue about three bills to a much larger conversation that needs to take place about what states owe their, their civilians, their citizens, what, what rights do uh, corporations have? And what rights do individuals have? And how should people be uh, talked to? And how do, how should, how should governing take place? Who should be in the room? And all of these things have been coming into light, not even just because of this movement, but also worldwide, even in the US. As we saw the inauguration coming, uh, we saw the world, especially conservatives, the people that weren't very happy with the results, uh, take issue with our election system. And so when the issue becomes about how tumultuous and how untrusting we are of our governments, and how uh, unwilling we are to come to a table and discuss these things properly and respectfully, then This is just side effects of all of that. These are just unfortunate circumstances that people are put into because of our lack of either compassion, understanding and basic human decency and patience. So I think we need to start understanding that this movement has become transformative and it's become defining, not even just in terms of India's um, economic structure or society, but worldwide, because what took place when Trump took office, nationalism was on the rise across the world. Strongman politics became the the uh, trigger word for the entire uh, international community, and now everybody's looking at this and trying to figure out how this will pan out. Will strongman politics win, or will individuals' resiliency and uh, ability to coalition build amongst themselves in 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 the eyes of uh, big corporations and big business, be able to um, come out victorious.
0: Well put, man. Can't wait to do a lot more of these with you. Um, you're way more articulate than me, so it helps. It helps when we do this stuff. But uh, just brief, man. Thanks. And uh, to everyone listening, everyone watching, thank you for watching, and we hope to bring you more uh, very soon. Vaigje Khalsa. Why would you keep that